A very good morning to you and welcome to Brighton Road for our morning service. Welcome to those of you joining us online. It's good to gather together in the presence of God and give him praise. Can I remind you please that Barbara Smith's Thanksgiving service is coming Friday at one o'clock. You're all very welcome to come and remember Barbara and to join with the family in giving thanks for her life. Can I clarify that Mary's walk is on Saturday this coming week if you'd like to join her in the afternoon and the United Service for Churches Again in Horsham will be held at St Mary's on Sunday at six o'clock a week today. Our call to worship for this morning is on the screen. Can I invite you to join together in the words in yellow? I offer you my heart, Lord God, and I trust you. Don't make me ashamed or let my enemies defeat me. Don't disappoint any of your worshippers, but do disappoint all deceitful liars. Show me your paths and teach me to follow. Guide me by your truth and instruct me. You keep me safe and I will always trust you. Our opening hymn is one seeking God's guidance and praising him for his faithfulness. Guide me, O thou great Jehovah, pilgrim through this barren
you please sit down. Well, we can kind of carry on with Psalm 25. It's going to kind of provide a bit of framework for our worship. And again, there's a responsive reading on the screen as before. Please, Lord, remember, you have always been patient and kind. Forget each wrong I did when I was young. Show how truly kind you are and remember me. You are honest and merciful and you teach sinners how to follow your path. You lead humble people to do what is right and to stay on your path. In everything you do, you are kind and faithful to everyone who keeps our agreement with you. Be true to your name, Lord, by forgiving each one of my terrible sins. Can I ask how you coped uh, with the bin men not coming for a long time over Christmas? I think it was 17 days uh, when they weren't coming. And uh, we, we actually did rather well. Um, but how were your bins? Were they, were they neat and tidy? Or was the rubbish piling up and overflowing in your garden? We all get rubbish in our bins. We accumulate it in our homes. We all get rubbish in our lives as well in our hearts. And at church, we like to keep it all tidy and hidden away. But sometimes, sometimes maybe on a bad day, the rubbish piles up and spills out. And everybody sees that we're in a bit of a mess because of what we say or how we say it or we give other people a hard time. Sometimes just because we're unwell. Sometimes because we're hungry, under pressure, worried about the future. Sometimes other people have given us a hard time and we're just passing it on. Sometimes it's just part of who we are. But Jesus says, out of the fullness of the heart, the mouth speaks. And sometimes, it all spills out. When it comes to rubbish in our homes, we all have, and we're grateful to them, the amazing bin men who take away the rubbish and cart it away and we never see it again. But what about the rubbish in our lives that piles up? Who deals with that? And it's Jesus. He is the Lamb of God who, as John says in his Gospel, he takes away the sin of the world. The innocent one who takes upon himself the evil of our heart and its destructive consequences. And because we're all sentimental, kind, nice people, we look at the lamb and we think, ah, ah, an innocent lamb. How could a lamb carry all that rubbish, all the anger and hatred and violence? Why would that be visited on an innocent lamb? And if that makes us recoil from some of the nasty things we do sometimes, that might be a good thing. But it's the way God chose to do things. Meeting and wiping out our nastiness with his grace. And it's the innocence of Jesus that counters 
and neutralizing our guilt. And as Jesus empties our lives of the rubbish, he fills us instead with the fruit of the Spirit, with love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So let me invite you for a moment just to breathe out all the rubbish and breathe in the goodness, the fruit, the renewing gentleness of God's Holy Spirit. And again, to join with me in the prayer that's on the screen. say the words in yellow. Lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the world, have mercy on us. Father God, you invited us to come and see, and we turn the other way. You offered us a warm welcome, but we did not extend that welcome to others. You invited us to tell others about you, and we turned away and chose not to. We came as a sacrificial lamb, and our sin put you on the cross. Lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the world, have mercy on us. And Lamb of God, we thank you that you take away the sins of the world. We've been washed clean by your blood, redeemed by your sacrifice on the cross, made whole by your death. And you invite us to walk with you fresh each and every day. Thank you for wiping the slate clean, for taking our rubbish and replacing it with your goodness. Thank you that that's your deal with us, doing what we can't do for ourselves, making us new each day. Amen. So the stand sings, Blessed Assurance, Jesus is mine. Can I invite children and young people to go upstairs for BRBK? God bless you as you go and give you a great time up there. And for the rest of us, we worship Jesus as we sing Songs of Fellowship 44. Blessed Assurance, Jesus is mine.
verses 12 to 22. You will show the right path to all who worship you. Then they will have plenty, and their children will receive the land. Our Lord, you are the friend of your worshipers, and you make an agreement with all of us. I always look to you because you rescue me from every trap. I am lonely and troubled. Show that you care and have pity on me. My awful worries keep growing. Rescue me from sadness. See my troubles and misery and forgive my sin. Look at all my enemies. See how much they hate me. I come to you for shelter. Protect me, keep me safe, and don't disappoint me. I obey you with all my heart, and I trust you knowing that you will save me. Our God, please save Israel from all its troubles. Lord, I come before your throne of grace. We pick up that spirit of appeal and prayer as we sing together Eighteen and Four.
couple of people have asked me this morning, how did Saskatoon go yesterday? I don't know because I wasn't here, but I've given Alison just for a couple of minutes. Alison, come and tell us how Saskatoon went, and we'll pray for you and for the team. Well, <laughs> now we've just sung, what a faithful God have I. And <clears throat> I do want to pay tribute to the faithfulness of God in so many ways. Uh, in terms of the kitchen, the cooking, well, my team are just amazing. Um, and I'm so grateful to them because that's not really my skill. Um, so all the cooking went really well and the meal looked lovely and thanks to the person who provided the lovely apple crumble for afters and all the custard and the ice cream and so on and so forth and the kitchen worked well and hopefully it's all nice and clean. Um, yeah, so that was very good. Um, and we had out uh, a thanks to Sue, who sort of arranged it, well, enabled it all. Uh, we had out some things for the, youngs, the children to occupy themselves with. Um, I'm not quite sure exactly what was done. I know there were some building bricks there. And we also had out some pictures and some colouring pens for colouring and so on and so forth. And uh, <coughs> so that was fine. Uh, and the tables were fine. And yeah, thanks to John. You see, a lot is involved. But, you know, I have to say that we were disappointed that we didn't have that many people. So, really, I just need to look at, we need to look at that and have a chat with Michael afterwards. Um, and I actually think it's word of mouth. So, if you know anyone who would be pleased to have a meal uh, and are in need, then that would be great. But no, it, it was fine, and um, it was lovely to work with people and uh, to work well and appreciate one another's gifts and talents that God has given them. So it was fine, but we do need more people. The one thing that really, and I suppose I don't know much about very small children, but they, they, loved what, they loved the activities, and, and I realised they're not that interested in food, really. <coughs> Unlike some of us adults. So it, it was good. So thank you very much for your prayers and your consideration and your concern. And thanks to all of you who are going to be there next week. Right. Uh, so, yeah. Is that okay? Unfortunately, there are only two families which amounted to seven people, uh, which, as I say, was disappointing. Because uh, that was four children together. Yeah. So that was a bit disappointing. I have to say, I'm not bothered by that. I'd rather start small and grow. And if the food was good and the quality was good, word yeah. of mouth, it, it will grow. So I'd rather start small and grow. So be, encu be encouraged if, if those who came enjoyed it. I think they did. Yeah, that's fine. So, yeah, yeah, thank you. Bless you. Let's pray. Before you just finish. So thank you, Alice. Thank you, Lord, for Alison and her team. Thank you for Samara and everything that well. Thank you for those that came. Uh, and, and for the way in which they were able to eat and, and be part of it. And uh, Lord, we offer this. It's, 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 it's available, um, and we, we commit this ministry to you. And we ask, Lord, that for your blessing upon those that come, and uh, pray that we'll be a good witness for you, and as we seek to give in grace, pray that that be a blessing to, to many people in the weeks that lie ahead. So thank you for your goodness and for your faithfulness. In Jesus' name, amen.
Thank you, Alison, for talking about it. Thank you to everyone who took part last week. We, 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 Alison's paid tribute to God's faithfulness. We sung about God's faithfulness. There are times in our lives, if we're honest, where we think, what's happened to God? And the faithfulness we, we believe when things are going well and we sing about, sometimes we easily lose sight of that. And even the Apostle Paul, actually, had an experience like that, and we're going to hear about that as, as Paul, a different Paul, brings us our reading for this morning. Good morning. Reading is from 2 Corinthians, chapter 1, verses 8 to 11. We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experienced in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God, who raised the dead. He has delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he would deliver us again. On him we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us as you help us by prayer. Then many will give thanks on our behalf for the gracious favor granted us in answer to the prayers of men. Lord, we thank you for Paul's testimony that when he was at breaking point, you raised him up. And for his testimony that the prayers of your people were instrumental in that. Thank you that although he felt utterly unbearably crushed, you were the rock beneath him. And for alone he felt the prayers of your people were sustaining him. And we draw encouragement from that. That our prayers can and do make a difference. Thank you that those who are beyond our reach in terms of having physical contact with them, through our prayers you can be with them. So in our prayers today we want to lift to you those who feel that they are at breaking point. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your love for them. And we want to lift to you people known to us personally in quietness who feel empty, Desperate. Alone. Unable to cope. For whom the pressures of life at times feel overwhelming. And Lord, we commend them to your hand. 
and may they find in you a place of safety and of shelter, of peace and deliverance. We think of those who are in constant pain. can't escape that. Who find themselves during the night just wishing it was morning. And during the day just wishing it was night again. And Lord, we cry out to you for them and pray that in your mercy you would bring relief We pray for those who are troubled mentally, emotionally, psychologically, haunted by nightmares of the past, fears for the future, whose perception of themselves, of reality, has been distorted and ends up being quite terrifying. <coughs> Those whose minds are shackled to depression or fear or neurosis, who find themselves unable to pray, Lord, would you keep them? when they feel that they are losing their grip, would you hold on to them, we pray. We pray for those whose lives have fallen apart, as if their life has turned to darkness, a relationship is broken up, a job has been lost, Someone close to them has died or has been taken seriously ill. They're left stunned, not knowing which way to turn. Again, Lord, we pray that you would hold them, carry them through this crisis. Give them the mental and emotional and physical resources they need. Support them. When they reach out to you, may they find you there. We pray for those working in the NHS under immense today as the number of doctors who are struggling mentally. We 
we think of staff in all different areas working long hours, feeling vulnerable and exhausted, often undervalued. The immense pressure of being unable to deliver the level of care to enough people for everyone to be safe. We recognise that applies to those in the NHS and those who work as carers in the community as well. The language of crisis is entirely appropriate. We pray for those there who feel stretched, broken shape. Pray that managers would take good care of staff. those struggling to know how to best allocate resources would have wisdom. And Lord, we pray for those responsible for the whole of, of, of the health care in our land, that you would give them fresh vision and insight, the ability to see how things need to change and how things could change. Lord, we recognise that good health is not something we can take for granted. We thank you for the immense privilege of living in this land at this time. Thank you that your spirit is at work to bring wholeness. And we pray that those who work to minister to others, tending the sick, counselling the depressed, sitting with those who are dying, performing operations, looking after people who can no longer care for themselves. May they be enabled and empowered and equipped by you to do this. And Lord, we have no easy answers. We can see no solutions. But we thank you for those who are engaged in caring. Thank you for your spirit at work in caring. Thank you that we can pray to you. And pray that by your spirit, through our engagement with others, you would bring wholeness and peace light into the lives of others and bring your wholeness and peace and light into our lives, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Stand and sing together. Praise my soul, the King of Heaven, and then Judy will come and share God's word with us.
for Julie and pray that your spirit of truth would rest upon her and as she opens up your word to us, open our hearts to receive what you have to say to us through her. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning, everyone. So, have you ever felt stretched? Good way of thinking. Have you ever felt stretched beyond measure? It could be relationship problems. It could be ill health, anxiety, grief, worry, disappointment. Sometimes... It's an accumulation of things. And then it's something minor. And it's the last straw, the the straw that breaks the camel's back. As I looked at the title that I'd uh, been given, I remembered instantly a time in my own life. Uh, There have been others, but this really came back to me. It was about ten years ago. And it was to do with looking after my lovely mum, who many of you will know, who physically at this age, at that time she was about 93, 94, she couldn't get out of bed, she couldn't do anything for herself. She'd also developed dementia, and with it came a, a a character change, and it was all so very difficult. I was leaving the church at the time, And one day, I just couldn't cope anymore. I'd gone as far as I could go. I just remember this cameo that was in my study, and I just thought, I can't cope. People had been praying for me and supporting me, and I was so grateful for that. But I remember crying out to God with one specific, particular request, which to my, I I won't go into details, but to my utter amazement, was answered the very next day. My mum went into hospital and from there into the dementia home just round the corner from me so I could visit her um, every day and she was there for the very last months of her life and died at 96. And I just remember that feeling of I can't cope, I really am so stretched. But God heard my cry, he stepped in, he answered my prayer And he held me, as Tim was saying the other day from the introduction to this letter, he held me with grace, his grace and peace. And I really felt held. So today, as we've heard, we continue our series in 2 Corinthians with just four verses. And as we've seen, it's entitled at breaking point. Now we have two letters to the Corinthians in, in, in the Bible here. Um, And 1 Corinthians, if we read it, we see it contains much more practical teaching. And Paul sets out to deal with issues that are damaging the church. And he's identifying problems and other solutions. And he's confronting the Corinthians about their sins and their shortcomings. And he's teaching them how to live for Christ in a holy way in a corrupt society. But 2 Corinthians, the second letter to the Corinthians, is a very personal letter. Yes, there were false teachers in the church in Corinth who denied Paul's authority and they slandered him and they twisted the truth. And in the letter he affirms his own ministry, he defends 
his authority as an apostle, and he rebuked those false teachers. But in the four verses that we had read to us, we actually see Paul bearing his soul and sharing testimony of his difficulties and the things that he's learned. And as I reflected on those, just those four verses, there were four things, I'm sure there were many others, uh, but one from each verse that spoke to me, and I thought that we could learn from them. And the first one was um, about being real with one another. We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experienced in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired of life itself. And in the New Living Translation, uh, it reads like this. I think you ought to know, dear brothers and sisters, about the trouble we went through in the province of Asia. We were crushed and completely overwhelmed, and we thought we would never live through it. And here we see Paul owning up to being at breaking point, to being under great pressure, despairing of life itself. He doesn't elaborate on what he's going through. He doesn't say what it is. And in the book of Acts, if we, if we read through, we see all three missionary journeys, and they're recording the difficult trials that he's faced, lots of them. And later on in 2 Corinthians, in chapter 11, he gives a list of some of them. In case you ever thought the Christian life was easy, or you thought you might be having a hard time, Paul says here, Five times I received from the Jews the forty lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and day in the open sea. I've been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from the Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false believers. I've labored and toiled, and I've often gone without sleep. I've known hunger and thirst, and have often gone without food. I've been cold and naked. And besides that, on top of everything else, he says, I face the daily, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches. That was a big one for, for Paul. So he certainly had a tough time. But who knows what he's referring to here in, in this verse 4. Maybe he's referring to the mob that rose up against him when his preaching convinced people to turn away from idols and we've got Demetrius, the silversmith, who he was not happy about that. Could have been when he was in prison, could have been. Could have been the opposition from the fellow Jews. Whatever it was, and we don't know, it was severe and it pushed Paul to the edge, to breaking point, when he despaired of life itself. And he was sharing this, not for sympathy, but he had a point to make. And as always, he pointed to God. He pointed to his grace and his deliverance. And two things I felt from 
this verse. Firstly, that we shouldn't be afraid to be honest about what we're going through or what struggles we're having or we've had. I think that we mustn't be too proud to to bear our soul, not to all and sundry at the bus stop uh, necessarily, unless God tells you to. And we're not talking about telling everyone everything all the time, but an honest admission of where we're at or where we've been for prayer and support with people that we trust. The stiff upper lip, I'm fine, thank you, when we're not, when we're falling apart or when we're stretched to the limit, isn't real. Now, I know it's not always easy to share things, but I really do feel that we need to be real and honest um, because that is so much more helpful. And secondly, personal testimony is so powerful, I think, when it points not to ourselves, and we're not doing it for sympathy or, or, or whatever, but when it points to God. Because it earths our faith and it helps people relate to us. And here we have the super apostle, Paul, admitting what he went through was beyond his ability to endure. The story of life itself. It's about being real. Not afraid to be real. And the second thing, I thought, it's about being totally reliant on God. We read here, indeed, we felt we we had received the sentence of death, but this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on, on God who raises the dead. We try to do things in our own strength, don't we, I do. And we battle through it. And we often leave it till we get to the bottom of ourselves, till we get to this point before we reach out to God. And when we do reach up, we find that he's there all along, waiting for us to call upon him. And the psalm says, he lifted me out of the, he lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire. He set my feet on a rock and he gave me a firm place to stand. Psalm 40, he reached down from on high and he took hold of me. He drew me out of deep waters. And I think I and all of us need to come to that place where we need God all along, not just at this point. But we need God all the time, all, all the way through. The Corinthians valued stress, strength and success and status. And here we see Paul not being afraid to admit his weakness and his despair. Because it was at the edge of his weakness that he found again God's strength, God's power, God who raises the dead to deliver him and rescue him. And he's giving testimony to that here. Several other places in in, uh, 2 Corinthians, we see Paul happy to admit his weakness and God's strength. He says about God, God said to me, he said to me, God, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. And Paul says, therefore, I'll boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that God's power may rest on me. 
He knew it was about him in his weakness that God's power could be displayed. And in chapter 12, that's why for Christ's sake, he even says, I delight in weakness, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. So different to the world's understanding of strength and power. Paul knows that he has to rely on God completely and utterly and always. And so do we, not just when we reach in breaking point, but it's a daily lesson to learn. And I constantly need to be reminded of that. So often I run off on my own, doing my own thing, thinking this is a good idea, and, and then suddenly I turn around and realize I've left God behind. And there he is, metaphorically speaking, shaking his head. Someone said, I don't know who it was, uh, a theologian, Christian discipline means for an apostle and for the church as a whole a progressive weakening of man's instinctive self-confidence and of the self-despair to which this leads and the growth of radical confidence in God. So we're, oh, we are instinctively self-confident, um, aren't we? And that needs to be weakened as we walk with God. And we realize that we walk with him. That's the importance of acknowledging him all, all the time. It's remembering him, not tearing off and then looking, oh, oh, oh God, yeah, come on, catch up with me. It's think about the old song, he walked with me, he talked with me along life's narrow way. It's walking with God and recognizing him there and, and humbling ourselves before him. And the third thing um, from this, verse 10, was about being encouraged for the future by what God has done in the past. He has delivered us from such a deadly peril and he'll deliver us again. On him we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us. He's done it before, he can do it again. Important to remember what God has done as we tear forward through life. The Israelites, the Israelites in the Old Testament knew the importance of setting up things, stones in particular, to remind people, the Israelites at this time, of the goodness of God and of his deliverance, like uh, with Joshua in the Jordan and the 12 uh, stones there. The goal of the stones, these stones, was to trigger a memory of God's faithfulness in the past, to reflect on him in the present, and then to trust him for the future, because we are such a forgetful people. It's such a shame in one way that we have to keep reminding ourselves of what God has done in the past. I have 30 years of journaling, 30 books, 30 years worth of journaling, of prayers that I offered at the time, how I was feeling or whatever, and then answers to prayer of experiences that I've had with God and powerful things that I've seen. And I sit there and I have to look back and think, oh my goodness. God did that then, or I write down a, a prayer, and then a, a few months later, or a year or two later, I'll, I'll put an arrow back and see you prayed for it at that time. And that encourages me, and it helps me. 
it's really important, I think, that we remember what God has done because he has done so much. He is so faithful. And how easy it is to lose sight of that. And we need to remember so that we get encouragement for the present, but also for the future. We have that confidence. He strengthened us so he can strengthen us again. God lifted us out of the pit then so he can do it again. And Paul, we see here, has that confidence. He, he said, he has delivered us from such a deadly peril and he'll deliver us again. There's a confidence in God, not in his own ability. And the final reminder um, is the importance of being supported in prayer. And verse 11 says, As you help us by your prayers, then many will give thanks on our behalf for the gracious favour granted us in answer to the prayers of many. As you help us by your prayers. Strong super apostle, strong major, uh, a mighty Paul, um, amazing relationship with God. God uses him mightily, miracles abound. Many people come to faith, new plants, new plants, new churches planted left, right, and center. Amazing. But he was still conscious of the need to be prayed for and to be upheld by prayer. And he wasn't afraid to admit that. He wasn't trying to go it alone. Super relationship that he had with God. Just me and God, what will be fine? I can do. No. He, he says he needs the prayers of others. As you help us in your prayers, he says. And many will give thanks on our behalf for the gracious favour granted us in answer to the prayers of many. It wasn't just him. It wasn't just him trying to do it. He needed everyone. We need each other. Over this last weekend, we, um, we've been encouraged, the weekend of prayer, and the importance of praying, the importance of praying for one another, the importance of supporting uh, one another. Um, just so vital. And we need to support people. We need to pray for people. But the, point, the other side of that is that we need uh, to allow ourselves to be prayed for. Really important. And we see in Paul the example of him humbling himself before God and others. And the need to be prayed for and supported. The, the picture up here, which you'll probably recognize, is of, is of Moses and Aaron and her. Um, it's in Exodus chapter 17. Uh, Moses had told Joshua to go and fight the Amalekites. And Moses said, well, I'll stand on top of the hill uh, with the staff of God in my hand. And verse 10 of Exodus 17 says, So Joshua fought the Amalekites as Moses had order, ordered, and Moses, Aaron, and Ur went to the top of the hill. As long as Moses held up his hands... The Israelites were winning, but whenever he lowered his hands, as you would because they were tired, the Amalekites were winning. So when Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone, put it under him, and he sat on it. Aaron and Hur held his hands up, one on one side, one on the other, so that his hands remained steady 
until sunset. So, verse 13, Joshua overcame the Amalekite army with his sword. Now, I don't know, it doesn't say that they were actually praying, but I imagine they were, as godly people, um, praying as well as holding his hands up. But it makes a powerful point, I think, when I look at that. It makes such a powerful point of the need. Moses, amazing Moses, even he supernaturally couldn't hold his hands up for hours and hours, and he needed people to support him. And I'm grateful to be in a prayer triplet where we hold one another's arms up and as we pray for uh, each other or for our families in, 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 in life's battles. So, you know, that helps prevent us get to this point. And we help and remind one another that actually we're held in the grace and peace of God, as Tim spoke about. There are lots of opportunities at Brighton Road to be prayed for in your house groups, in the meetings. Uh, another one is after the service. Um, just a simple opportunity to humbly and just come forward and just say, you don't have to go into great detail, but just to uh, a way of humbling ourselves before God and just saying, could you please support me or someone else in prayer? One sentence that someone quoted from a devotional recently, a really obvious one, but it just struck me. God's always listening, so we need to keep talking. So he's always listening to us, so we need to keep talking. I mean, that's obviously there's times to listen to him and not keep babbling at him, but the, the, the point of the thing is to, um, is to bring our prayers. He's always listening. So he wants us to keep uh, talking to him. So in summary then, in this passage, Paul here is being open. He's sharing a time of extreme pressure, crushed and completely overwhelmed, we read. And the incident, whatever it was, was reminding him of his weakness and to recognize afresh the importance of totally relying on God and not on his own strength. And experiencing that deliverance by God gave him hope and faith for the future. But recognizing absolutely that he needed their prayer support and the help of others. We have much to learn from Paul. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that we have all this written down for us, for our understanding, for our learning. Lord, we thank you for the way that your Holy Spirit takes even familiar passages and speaks to us afresh. And that we are to learn from people like Paul and all that he has written. We thank you for that. We thank you that all of us, I imagine, have come to that place where we, we feel really stretched. And Lord, we thank you uh, for the reminder that you hold us um, in your hands, that you are there for us, that you will you deliver us, you, you make yourself known to us. Even when we go through these really difficult times, there you are. Uh, and we thank you for that. We thank you that you are God who is present. And we thank you that as we wait on you, as we hope in you, our strength, we get strength. We don't have to snap 
And we thank you for each other. We thank you for the way that we can support one another. Help us to be humble, Lord, and allow ourselves to be prayed for as we pray for others. For the glory of your name. Amen. So let's stand and sing. without fault and with great joy to the only God, our Saviour, be glory, majesty, power and authority through Jesus Christ, our Lord, before all ages, now and forevermore. And all the people of God said, Amen. Amen. 